And here we are again to talk some quirky news. And once again, as I say, joining me on the line is Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. I did a video news for a technical society I'm with, which says, will clothing dictate transit patronage? Now, let me step back a little bit. Professor Graham Curry, who's the chair of public transport, transport engineering at Monash University, has written a paper where he concludes, perhaps somewhat obviously, that uh, if you are transferring from one public transport system to another, there is what is called a transfer penalty. Basically, it's a pain in the bum factor where you have to get out of one and go to the other. In fact, even if you get out of one bus, for example, and get straight on a train, it only might take you a minute, yet it feels like a pain of at least, some suggest, 12 minutes. And if the bus had have taken a bit longer but went straight to your door, you'd be much happier with that. But He's now worked out that it's not that simple, and it depends, obviously, I guess, because of the weather, as we would expect, but also because of darkness. And again, not surprising when you think about it, but it's good to have that quantified. So what, you, what, what you're saying is you don't mind changing from one bus to another or whatever on a nice sunny day, but you don't want to do it in a thunderstorm at 1am. Or the alternative is I will make two or three changes if it means I don't have to walk in the rain. Ah, yes, yes, because I've left my umbrella at home again. I've left my umbrella at home. I'm glad you said that, because this is my whole context of this story. The MIT uh, Media Lab's Tangible Media Group is doing some work on what they call biologic, and it's exploring things such as bacterium-based materials that react to humidity. Now, the point about that is, then, if you wear it, it can react to the fact that you're sweating. So you can wear a Lycra-type jumper, except it's got little vents in it, which open when you sweat. So I think to catch transit, to get public transport, to be able to say that it doesn't matter that I'll walk the last 400 metres or so, is that I need the right clothing. I don't want to have to carry an umbrella, which will blow inside out. I hate that. I don't want to have to carry a separate uh, raincoat, and I believe these biotechnology sites of clothing may even be able to have clothes that resist the rain but aren't sort of as clammy as a raincoat. Would that tempt you to walk? Uh, it would be, although the, there's an implication there that basically you'll get to, uh, get to experience the, the sweat and the BO of other people much more quickly because it will, uh, their clothing will open and, and let, you, <laughs> let it all out. Um, rather than keeping it in. In, in fact, David, when, when I read the heading of this story, I actually thought you meant the clothing, not not so much the clothing that you're wearing, but the clothing that other people are wearing and how much it might put you off using a form of transport. Because if everyone around you is sweating in clothes they haven't watched, washed since last week, you're not going to want to be there, are you? And you're going to want to avoid that that extra trip down that uh, back dodgy part of town and i think your thought is exactly right but i think the technology may go enough to compensate that because they're mm. talking about biological clothing that might eat sweat so to speak might be able to absorb it now my son says that there are people now traveling around with this woolen vest type thing which doesn't get sweaty and smelly and people have worn it for months as they travel around the world without having to you know, wash their clothes so regularly. Now, 
I am only going on third hand here and I wouldn't bet mm. on it and I'd be hesitant to think that I can't smell myself so therefore no one else can. There may be a problem there. But maybe we might be able to do it. This is not full biological clothing, but I believe they are moving in that direction. Now, my only point is I love the idea of being walking home in the rain. I just think that's... I want business clothes that will, without any hassle, I can walk home in the rain. But I also... Mm. I want shoes that I can jump in puddles without getting my socks wet. That could be just me, though. <laughs> it might just be. And I suppose you want to sing in the rain as well. <laughs> well, I used that video when I put out this, which we are now loading up onto our website. If you want to have a look at mm. some videos mm. about transport planning, this is uh, ones to do it. Some uh, very serious, some quite, not quite so serious. You know, years ago, I actually took the garbage out and it was raining so i put on a pair of gum boots and i did jump in a puddle and i felt really good you felt like a like a five-year-old all over again yeah <laughs> well I, I i always feel like a five-year-old but this just gave me a chance to uh, put that into practice to act like one as well yes mm. yes <laughs> david the my, my concern here is that these they, these clothes are made with bacterium so um, my concern is that the first time you wash them properly with hot water, uh, uh oh! <laughs> Don't let them get near your tablets that destroy bad bacteria. Yes, or maybe it's yes. good uh, bacteria, and so if you put that sort of chemical on them that they're now putting in tablets that you're meant to swallow, perhaps that might make your well. You don't have to take your pants to a uh, a person to extend them. Perhaps you just add the right sort of food to the bacteria. I was thinking maybe they have to be, you can just, rather than washing them, you just sort of spray them with a sort of acidophilus-laced Febreze. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, I can just see the marketing campaigns now and I shake my head in horror. <laughs> Well, David, I, I find that there's 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 also a um, there's there's already an incentive for people to travel more in summer because of the clothes that people tend to wear or not that wear. are around you, but or not wear, yes, yes, but um, yeah, I don't know if there's much research on that. No, indeed. <laughs> Errol, can you now, raise we'll get... the concept of transit travel to a more er elegant level? Um, well, uh, elegance, David. Uh, how about beauty, grace, art, the ballet? Uh, these are not words typically used to describe public transport, but at least in Toronto, they can be used to describe a public transport marketing campaign. It's titled We Move You, the campaign, and the campaign joins up the Toronto Transit Commission, affectionately known as the TTC, with the National Ballet of Canada, and winds up marketing both of them in one hit, along with the art scene more generally. The, the tagline on most of the posters is, We Move You, connecting you to Toronto's arts and culture scene. Do will, make, will, will catching a train or a tram make you want to see the ballet? Well, no, I don't normally see what I would call uh, artistic, uh, skilled, flowing movement. Well, flows, but sort of in a very random, bad way. The other thing is, will you encourage ballet goers to get onto the transit? If so, you'll then find a whole pile of transit travellers who castigate anyone who coughs. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, and God help them if they've left their phone ringer on. Uh, well, yeah. Well, or they'll wear evening wear, or they'll expect to have exclusive parking for their Lexus at a train station. Yes, yes. <laughs> so of course, the implication with this uh, connecting you to, to, to what the arts and culture scene is that you can only get to the arts and culture scene by public transport. Oh, okay. It's maybe a bit exclusionary. Ah. I, I, I hadn't thought of that. I thought of it also from the side that this may be a way of paying off public transport debt because people who go to the ballet are prepared to pay $20 for a program. Mm. You'll be able to... Yes, true. Yes. But, but if, according to the videos, um, there's a lot of, you know, very, very fit, young, uh, beautiful dancers who use public transportation a lot. Um, they just don't use it when anyone else is there. <laughs> nobody, nobody's using nobody's using the, any of the transportation that they filmed in front of. Yeah, they don't trust them. Well, dressed like they are, I you know, I think you do sort of uh, leave yourself open to being um, sort of touched if you're not careful. Yes, yes, yes. That leads back into our first story. But um, yeah, yeah, so I, I, th- I think when they see an actual um, actual passenger coming, they just sort of exit stage left. <laughs> the only trouble is you then might encourage transit people to go to the ballet. And so what will happen, there'll be a whole rush to get into the concert hall to get the best seats. Men will sit in there and manspread. They'll ignore people who are in <laughs> wheelchairs. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's always someone le- talking loudly on their phone in the quiet part yep. of the theatre. Mm. Push past others to get out first. Oh, no, that happens already. Um, yes. The, concert the, 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 the obnoxious teenager will uh, continue to sit in the uh, seat reserved for the, the, the elderly person standing, hovering over them. Listening to music on the headphones so loud others can hear it. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, but I do like the idea, the idea that perhaps we might move some technology from trains into there, uh, that the doors shut automatically when it's time to go, and you just you miss miss the thing altogether. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Although if you think about a train, that's pretty much how it works already. Oh well, that's right. But we should try it at the opera. <laughs> hmm. Yes. Well, there are there are there are theatres that will not let you in after the show started. Well, yeah, maybe that's fair enough. But the only trouble is that means a whole pile of people are running to get to the thing at the last minute, and so we've got that whole sweat issue again. Mm. Although, although perhaps public transport would have more patronage um, if it was like the theatre and there was always a, a a pleasant bar outside where you could have a nice drink before you went in. Actually, some of the ferries across Sydney Harbour have that. Oh, I like the idea. You're right. And in that way, you don't care if it's slow, which is yes. what's, what some people think about ballet and opera. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's a gentleman's game, isn't it? Talking... Perhaps you can get there in a, in, a, in a nice new McLaren, David. Boom, boom. What a segue. Uh, the new McLaren 720S, which I think refers to its horsepower of all things. Yes, it does. I mean, which is ridiculous. Nought to 200 kilometres an hour in just yes. 7.8 seconds. Yes, I, uh, David, what I love about this story is that, um, that the supercars are now so super that the 0 to 200 time is now less than 10 seconds, whereas I can I can remember when, you know, if a car got to 100 k's an hour in under 10 seconds, it was considered relatively quick. 
<laughs> but uh, but David McLaren have finally released a car that the average person can afford. In fact, I might even buy one myself. Yes. I'm, I'm quite seriously thinking about it. Of course, to keep the cost down, it comes in kit form and you have to assemble it yourself. <laughs> uh, it's it's, it's kid-friendly, though. Um, it's being suited for ages 7 to 12. Uh, and if you want to look it up on the McLaren catalogue, it's uh, part 75800 and can be found at your local toy star with some little-known plastic block system called Lego, which I've never heard of. I've got to say, we've done a story on Lego before. We did one where, where they made a Porsche, which I thought looked stupid. I think this looks better. I think this yes. looks a little more like It's got too big a stronger nose on it. The McLaren yes. has a very... It, uh, it, it, it is a little a little blocky. It's hmm. uh, as one might expect, perhaps a little a little squarer than, than you might like. Perhaps there's a little bit of Volvo in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and the but, um, you, you would... The bulge over the good. rear wheels is rather exaggerated. Yes, yes. Uh, perhaps they've got a bit more suspension travel in the uh, in the junior model. Uh, but um, you, you would hope that it looks good because the professional Lego designer spent a year perfecting it. So, so you'd want, to, want it to be a, a pretty good. Uh, it does come with... Um, uh, you can change the, the hubcaps or the... Uh, I guess that's what they are in, in practice on this, not that a real one would have hubcaps. Um, but um, to help you admire it, there's like a little, comes with a little minifigure and uh, like a sort of a draftsman's board with an actually what's an, actually an original sketch of the McLaren on the... So you can sit, the little character can sit there with his coffee admiring his work. See, this is a little like... Um, you know, we were talking about chairs and furniture. If you get a very elegant chair that has great history to it, you can't use it. And a McLaren, yes. a, re a real McLaren, 720, naught to 200, there's nowhere where you can use that. Even out on deregulated roads, you can't start from naught in the middle of the road just to mm. test that thing. That whole parameter is purely for artistic merit nothing to do with actually being able to use it on the road not just the high high speed but even just starting from zero in one location where you can go from naught to 100 you can't do that mm. anywhere on the road in australia anyway short of stopping dangerously just to prove that your car can do something yes you're stopping in the middle of a freeway <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing nothing hits you while you get to 110 mm. yes but um, the, the, but but um, having said that, the the price of this one does compare fairly favourably to the to full size one. You, you're probably looking at about about twenty or thirty dollars for this uh, this kit versus about three half or four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> well, po no, possibly even near half a million. You know, it's getting getting up towards that. Well, yes, four hundred. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Errol, um, I, I I wonder who this for. Is it for the young person or for the middle-aged guy with a fantasy that he can never fulfil in real life? <laughs> David, we, we're quite you ain't going to talk about me like that on air. <laughs> <laughs> well, Errol, I was particularly wondering what you thought about that. <laughs> All right, 
yes. Uh, all right, my friend. Uh, I, 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 I had a pang of um, ill feeling when you said you weren't born in 1972, but that's another story as well. <laughs> Maybe I need to have more bacterial, good bacterial uh, uh, pills. Perhaps you do. I, I'd still, I still wouldn't mind owning a 72 Ferrari 365 Daytona, though. Indeed. That'd be lovely. <laughs> or, or even simply being able to afford one, given that the one that they, they burnt in our earlier story was worth um, two, $2 million. Well, yeah, unbelievable. All right, Errol. Thanks again, mate. See you soon. No worries, Dave. See you. Errol Smith. Errol Smith uh, and I talking about some unusual stories and adding a sort of perception that I think we need more and more of in our analysis of motoring in the real world. You can hear the long version of this segment by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au.